You're here today, but truth be told, you're on the run. And that's what I want to preach about today, on the run. In fact, this is, this is my second leg of my on the run tour. I started Wednesday afternoon during Bible study, and we looked at Jonah chapter one, where God called the prophet Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach the message that God was giving him. And people, they, when they read the story, they don't believe the story. They think it's a fairy tale and they don't believe that Jonah was a real person, an actual person. But Second Kings chapter 14 lets us know that Jonah was a prophet of God who prophesied in Israel during the reign of King Jeroboam. And it was during this time where the king and the nation of Israel was successful. However, the Bible says in Second Kings chapter 14 that the people of God and the king did evil in the sight of God. So God called Jonah, the prophet, to go into Israel and to prophesy. But by the time we get to Jonah, Jonah chapter one, God asked Jonah to step out of Israel and go to Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, which was the enemy of Israel. And so God is asking Jonah to step out of his comfort zone, to step out of the box, to go beyond enemy lines, to step beyond cultural, racial, ethnic lines, to go and to proclaim the message of God. And when Jonah heard the word of God, he had two options, either receive it in obedience or reject it in disobedience. And Jonah decided not to obey God, but to run away from God. And the Bible says that Jonah didn't go to Nineveh, but Jonah went to Tarshish. As we talked about Wednesday, Tarshish was 2,200 miles away from Nineveh. Which means that it's like God telling Jonah to go to New York, but he decided to go to Sin City and Las Vegas. The complete opposite way of where God called Jonah to go. He decided to disobey. He decided to run away. He, he decided to be reluctant and rebel against the word of God. And if truth be told, whenever we hear the word of God or the call of God in our life, we have two options, either obey it. Receive it in obedience or reject it in disobedience. And whenever you and I decide to run away from God. The Bible says in Jonah chapter one that God sent a violent storm. And when God sent this violent storm, the Bible says that Jonah, well, before the storm came, the Bible says that Jonah went. He went down to Joppa, paid a fare, hopped on a boat, connected with sailors. They're headed over to Tarshish. A storm comes. And when the storm comes, the Bible says that Jonah was at the bottom of the boat, knocked out sleep. Now he's sleeping on God. He's sleeping on his destiny. He's sleeping on his calling. He's sleeping on his purpose. And whenever you and I fall asleep on what God has asked us to do every now and again, God will give us a wake up call. And ain't no wake up call like God waking you up. And now here is Jonah at the bottom of the boat sleep. Meanwhile, the sailors are throwing their possessions and valuables overboard. And they're praying to the God of the sea and the God of the, the rain, the God of chaos. And they're praying to the low G gods. Meanwhile, Jonah ain't praying, but Jonah is asleep. And now here are sailors who have been connected with Jonah. Now they're going through a storm. Now they're losing their, value, their valuables because anytime believers and leaders who become disobedient to God and run away and fall asleep on God, it will cause a storm to the people that are connected to us. 
And that's why our families are falling apart and marriages are going bad and communities are failing and churches aren't effective because we got leaders, believers who have been reluctant, who have been disobedient. And anytime you and I become disobedient, reject the word of God, it has a way of affecting the people around us. And the Bible says that the sailors wake Jonah up. Boy, get up. We in a storm right now. And then they begin to cast lots to see who whose God was in charge of the storm and when they cast the lots, they discovered that it was Jonah who was in charge. So they asked Jonah, Jonah, what should we do? And, and Jonah gave the suggestion, just, just throw me overboard. In essence, Jonah is saying, I would rather die than pursue destiny. I'm so reluctant, I would rather die than do what God has called me to do. But look at the sailors. They said, no, we ain't going to throw you overboard. We're going to work to make this. We're going to work hard to make this thing work. And the Bible says they tried to backtrack and go back to where they came from, all because they wanted to keep Jonah on board the ship. And I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe there's some some sailors in the room today. You got some Jonas on board that you need to toss over. You working hard for a relationship to work that ain't going to work. Hold on to a habit that'll end up destroying you. Holding on to a perspective that's going to end up taking you out because you don't want to toss it overboard. But I dare you to tug somebody and tell them, toss them overboard. That relationship, toss them. I don't know who the Jonah is in your life, but you need to throw them overboard because God is trying to get the sailors to know that the storm ain't going to stop until you toss them overboard. And when Jonah finally tossed, when Jonah was finally tossed overboard, the Bible says that the storm ceased. And not only did the storm cease, but verse 16 of chapter 1 said that the sailors began to fear God. They begin to make sacrifices to God. They begin to make vows to God. These are sailors in the beginning of chapter 1. They didn't even know who God was. Now, by the time the storm came, by the time they kicked people off the ship, they are finally in a relationship with God, getting closer to God. And meanwhile, as the sailors are making vows and sacrificing to God, Jonah is drowning in the sea. And it looks like it's over for Jonah. It looks like it's a wrap. It looks like he's dead. It looks like he's done for. But the Bible says in verse 17 that the Lord prepared a huge fish. And when this Lord prepared a huge fish, it swallowed up Jonah. Now Jonah is in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. And it looks like it's a bad situation. I mean, who wants to be in the belly of a fish? Who wants to be in this bad system, in a tight, in a jam, in darkness? It looks bad, but really, it was the Lord that prepared this place. And when the Lord prepared this place, the Bible says that Jonah is in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. And in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, where we're going to pick up the on the run tour, the Bible says that then from the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He's been disobedient. He's been reluctant. He's been rebellious. He tried to run away from God. He fell asleep on the things of God. Now, God prepared this huge fish to swallow up Jonah. And the first verse of chapter two says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He's been in this fish for three days and three nights having a prayer meeting by himself. And the question that I have for all the Jonas in the room, what took you so long before you started praying out to God? You should have been praying to God in chapter one when God told you to take your butt to Nineveh. 
but you decided to be disobedient. You decided to be reluctant. You decided to run away. You decided to fall asleep on God. So God says, because you won't pray to me on your own, I'm going to prepare a huge fish. I'm going to prepare a well of a situation to swallow you up just to get you to pray to me. And God desires his children to pray to him so much so that every now and again, God will prepare a well of a situation to swallow you up. Every now and again, God will, God will put you in a spot of darkness, of loneliness, in a tight jam, in a bad system just to get you to pray to him. And if truth be told, many of us have been so reluctant that we don't even talk to God no more. We won't even speak to God like we used to. We've been so disobedient. We've been so sleep on God. That we don't even commune with him. We don't even talk to him. We don't even communicate with him. And God wants you to talk to him so much so that he will prepare a big fish. He will, he will allow a storm to come. He will allow somebody to toss you overboard just to get you to pray. Because here's what I've discovered. That prayer to a believer is like a charger to a cell phone. You know you ain't going out one day charging your phone. You got a charger in your car. You got a charger at the crib. You got a charger in your office. You got a charger at your mama house. Why? Because you know that if I don't charge my phone, my phone is going to die. I won't be able to use my phone the way it is, has been designed to use unless I charge it. And if you don't go a day without charging your phone, why are you trying to go a day without prayer? Don't you know that there's power in prayer that when you connect to God by faith, God has a way of charging you up so you can become everything that God has called you to be. But the problem is we don't want to talk to God. So, 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 so look what God did to Jonah. Look at the location he's in. He's in a tight, he's in a jam, he's in a fix. The Bible says he's face to face with death. His life is threatened. And, 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 and not only his location, but now look at his disposition. Jonah said, I'm distressed. This verse two, I'm distressed. Jonah says, I'm in a dead situation. Jo Jonah says, I I'm in a well of a problem. But in the midst of all of that, he begins to pray. And, and, when, and when Jonah prays, the Bible says that the Lord heard his prayer and the Lord answered his prayer. Isn't it good news to know that we serve a God that just won't hear you when you pray, but God has a way of answering you when you pray. When you learn how to drop down on your knees and cry out to God by his name, by faith, we serve a God that just won't hear you when you pray, but God will answer you when you pray. And I know why you ain't saying amen, because you ain't read chapter one. In chapter one, Jonah disobeyed God. Jonah rebelled from God. Jonah ran away from God. He did the very thing opposite of what God told him to do. Homeboy went to sleep on God. But even in the midst of all that reluctancy and all all of that disobedience and all of that running and all of that sleeping, the Bible lets us know that when Jonah prayed, God heard. When Jonah prayed, God answered. It's a trick of the enemy to make you think you've messed up so much that you can't pray to God, that God won't hear you when you pray. But I got a sneaky suspicion that there's some sinners in the room that understand, even in my mistake, when I go to God in prayer, God hears me when I pray. Uh, 
Uh, oh, this happened. This happened in New Jersey a few years ago. A father was upstairs and um, his two children were downstairs. And when his two young kids was downstairs, um, the story goes that a fire broke out in the kitchen. And um, when, when this fire broke out in the kitchen, um, the smoke increased, the flames got bigger. And, and the kids, of course, they were scared. They were frightened. And the father says that when I was upstairs, all I heard was my kids crying out to me. Daddy, where you at? Daddy, come save us. Daddy, it's a fire. And, and when the children who were downstairs in a heated situation began to call on their father who was upstairs, the father who was upstairs rushed down to his children who was downstairs put himself in that same heated, messed up situation and was able to bring deliverance to his children. Because whenever you and I find ourselves in a fix, find ourselves in a jam, find ourselves in a heated situation where you have enough faith to call on your father who is upstairs, the father will come in the very messed up situation that you are in and bring deliverance in your life. Is there anybody in the room that understands there is power in prayer? Bible says he's inside a fish. He's in a he's in a well of a situation, but he has a prayer meeting by himself. And in his distress and him being in a dead situation because of his reluctancy, because of his disobedience, he calls on God by name, by faith. And God heard him when he prayed. God answered him when he prayed. And not only was Jonah praying, but the Bible lets us know that Jonah begins to reflect he begins to reflect on how he got in this situation because God, he said, you're going to be in this thing for a few days. So you might as well do some praying and reflecting while you're in there. And uh, he begins to reflect on 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 why he's in this situation. And he he's trying to think to himself, how in the world did I get here? How did I get in, on the inside of it? How did I get in this jam? How did I get in this problem? How, how did I get? In this darkness, and look at what verse 3 says. He, he, this is him reflecting. Verse 3, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me, all your waves and breakers swept over me. He says, he's talking to God, this is a prayer. God, it was you that put me here. It was you that started all this mess. It was you that created this storm. Wait a minute, Jonah. God ain't to blame. It's because of your disobedience that God threw you into the sea. That God allowed the waves to cover you. That God put you in this messed up position. It, it, was, it was your disobedience that allowed this to happen. And it was because of his rebellious, because of his reluctancy, because he was running away from God. God allowed the storm to come and for Jonah to be tossed overboard. Because when you and I become disobedient and when you and I allow the people that we are connected to into a messed up storm, God says, I'm going to have to discipline you. And God will discipline us to redirect us. And I know we don't want to hear that. We want God to be gracious. We want the compassion of God. We want the forgiveness of God. We want the love of God. And God is compassionate. God is forgiving. God is loving. 
God is a God that disciplines. The Bible says something like this, that God disciplines the ones that he loves. It's like a good parent, you know, for all the parents in the room, you know, you, you, you got to discipline your kids, right? So when you give them an instruction and they do the opposite thing of what you told them to do, what you going to do? I mean, on behalf of God, he's our father, right? Our father gave us instructions. God gave us a calling and we do the opposite. For all the parents in the room, you give your child instructions. What you going to do when they do the opposite of what you asked them to do? I mean, you consider yourself compassionate and gracious and loving and forgiving. But when your child steps at you the wrong way, what you going to do? Okay, um, my mama, y'all met my mama before. She's She's Lady Sharon, right? She's gracious and kind and gentle when you meet her. <laughs> but let one of her four sons testify that when you deliberately disobey the rules of the home, discipline will come. And my mama was creative with her discipline. I remember one time, I ain't gonna tell y'all what I did, but I came home and uh, walked into the kitchen. Mama had like three or four belts on the table. <laughs> and uh, she said, which, which belt you like? I'm thinking I'm about to get a new belt or something. <laughs> and she would allow her child to choose what weapon of discipline they was gonna get used with. <laughs> That's how God works. That's how God operates. God is so hungry for you to reach your destiny and your purpose and your calling, that when you mess up, God will discipline us. Yeah, God will, eventually, God will forgive us, but that don't mean we ain't going to endure the consequences of our mess up. It's just like the children of Israel. When they were disobedient, complaining, the Bible says they ended up in the wilderness unnecessarily for 40 years because of their disobedience. By the time they get to the promised land, they keep messing up. They keep disobeying God. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 that God gave the victory to the enemy. And King Nebuchadnezzar goes into Jerusalem and shuts that all down because of their disobedience. And whenever you and I are reluctant, when you and I fall asleep on God, when you and I run away from God, God will send a violent storm to discipline us. And look how crazy of a storm Jonah found himself in. What does verse five say? Verse five, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Look how vicious this storm is. He's surrounded. He's in over his head. He's in a bad situation. And then, and then I love what verse five says. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Now, of course, physically, seaweed was wrapped around his head. Homeboy is in the sea. He's drowning in the sea. But perhaps this is an illustration for his mental capacity. He's been so disobedient. He's been running away from God for so long. He's been so rebellious that it's messed up his thinking. His perspective is off. His theology is off. How you know? Because he said seaweed was wrapped around my head. And anytime you got weed wrapped around your head, 
Stay holy, I'm in the Bible. Anytime you got weed wrapped around your head, it's going to mess up your thinking. It'll cloud your judgment. It'll mess up your perspective. You ain't got to say, man, I know I'm preaching. And because weed was wrapped around his head, now his thinking is off. Now his mind is clouded. Now his judgment is messed up. And now his theology is off. How you know his theology is off? Well, it's right here. Verse four. He says that I said, this is Jonah speaking to himself. I said, verse four, I have been banished from your sight. All that weed in his head. Now he, his theology is messed up. I have been banished from your sight. No, you haven't. Because there is nowhere you can go where God ain't there. That's the trick of that weed and the enemy to make you think that you have messed up so much that you have been banished from God's sight. But don't you know that you can't go nowhere without God stalking you? You can't go nowhere without God being right there. The Bible lets us know that God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God is always there. In his disobedience, God was right. He tried to, he, the Bible said he tried to run away from God. You can't run away from God. What makes you think you can outrun God? Even when you don't want to be in the presence of God, you still in the presence of God. When you read chapter one, you'll discover verse two says that Jonah tries to run away from God. It says it again that Jonah tried to flee from God. But then by verse 9, God exposed him. God revealed himself. By verse 17, God prepared a huge fish. Why? Because you can't outrun God. And anytime you and I try to outrun God, God, it chases down. God wants us to be in his destiny and his will so much so that he won't even allow you to interfere with what God has for your life. There's no way you can banish from the sight of God. God is always there. It's like Jonah was reminded of what David said. Even when I make my bed in heaven, when I go into the heavens, you're there. When I take a nap in hell, you are right there. Can You can't outrun God. God is everywhere at the same time. When you in church, God is right there. When you at the club, God is right there. When you take a communion, God is right there. When you getting drunk, God is right there. When you high in the spirit, God is there. When you high on something else, God is right there. You can't outrun God. Paul puts it this way. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not even your crazy behind can separate you from the love that God has for your life. Uh, we, we talked about this leg one of On the Run Tour on Wednesday. Uh, my mama sent me this article about this young girl who was late coming to her, showing up for a curfew. She was late. She was hours behind for a curfew. And um, like any other parent, any other mom, texting your child, calling your child, no response. Texting, calling, no answer. And so her mom uh, pulled up this app on her phone. It's called the Find Friends app. And uh, all the parents, y'all should probably get this app. I'm sorry, kids in the room. Your, your parents <laughs> should probably get this app. It's an app where you can get connected to people who got the same phone, iPhone, and all your close friends and loved ones. You can see where they are at all times. 
It's a tracking device. It really is. It's a tracking device to see where your people are at all times. And so this mom, the daughter was late for a curfew. She's calling, texting, no response. She pulls out her phone, try to figure out where her daughter is. And the name and the dot of her daughter is on a map, but the dot ain't moving. It's just sitting still. So like my mama would do or any other mother in here, she got in her car and tried to figure out where her daughter is, right? Gets in her car, gets closer to this dot that's sitting still. And, and the mom said, I just seen tire marks off, off the road and went off the road. And come to find out the reason why her daughter was late for a curfew was because she was in a ditch in a ravine, low down in the dark by herself, stuck. Her car had flipped over three times Ended up in a ditch in the dark by herself, stuck, can't go nowhere. And for seven hours, she was down there by herself until her mother picked up her phone, tapped into this app to locate where her daughter was. And the reason why her mother was able to locate where her daughter was, even in that ditch in the dark by herself, was because her mother gave her something that could help her figure out where she was at all times. So even when her daughter was in the dark, in the dirt, low down by herself, she has something on her person to help her mother, her parent, locate where she was at all times. And if we being earthly creatures know how to do that to our children, giving them something that we can lo locate where they are at all times, how much more shall our Heavenly Father not give us an iPhone and an app, but give us his Holy Spirit, that even when we're in the dark, he'll know where we are, that even when we mess up, he know where we are, that even in a tight, in a jam, in a fix, how many of you know that God will never leave you? God will never forsake you. Nowhere can you go that God can't find you and bring you back to him. And the Bible says that Jonah is in the dark, low down in the fish by himself. He's in a tight, he's in a jam. He was reflecting on how he got in this situation. And it was because of his disobedience that God had to discipline him. And while he's in this fish, Jonah wasn't just reflecting. Now Jonah is repenting. Because Jonah know he's been reluctant. He's been disobedient. He's been sleeping on God. He's been running away from God. And Jonah begins to repent. This is verse 8. He's learning his lesson. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. He's learning his lesson now. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Worthless idols. John, maybe Jonah was speaking to the fact that he, he, he had put some things before God. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was the enemy, enemy's territory. He's an he's a Israelite. He's a Hebrew. He was always prophesying in Israel. And Jonah has such a love for his people, such a love for his tribe, such, such a love for his clan, his culture, that he put his culture before his God. He put his people before his purpose. He put his, his clan before the call that God had for his life. And as a result, he found himself being swallowed by a well of a situation. Because he put his people before his purpose. He put something before God. And if you and I can be honest, there are moments, there are seasons in our life where we idolize. We, we, we got some idols. And when we talk about idol worship, you know, we don't mean like you worshiping a calf or you, you know, you worshiping the, uh, the God of the sea or the God of chaos. No, we 
Whenever we talk about idol worship, this is what we mean. We're, we're, we're basically saying that you have someone or something before God. In other words, you have given something or someone more attention than you are giving God. And Jonah says, as he's learning his lesson, that, that whenever you cling in on to an idol, you are turning your back on the love of God. And if we can be honest, there are moments where we created idols, where we've given someone or something more attention than we give God. Where God ain't the first thing on your mind when you wake up, you running to Instagram. Well, God ain't the first thing on your mind. You, 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 you trying to scroll through your email. Well, we put our sororities and fraternities before we before God. Well, we put our career and our reputation before God. Well, we put our money, our degrees, our accomplishments, our social life. Before God. And Jonah says, whenever you have something before God, you're turning your back on the love of God. But then Jonah, he says this. Verse seven, then I remembered the Lord. Then I remembered the temple. Ain't it crazy how we in a tight and a jam and a fix in the darkness? All of a sudden it sparks our memory. Where now we remember what God has done. Now we remember who the Lord is. Now we want to remember the church. It's like Jonah is stuck in that well praying, God, if you get me out this mess, I promise I'm going to go to church. God, if you get me out this situation, I promise I'm going to make myself go to the temple of God. Because it's something about the church that inspires us as reluctant leaders to know that I'm the only one who's been reluctant. I'm the only one who's been running away from God. I'm the only one who's been disobedient because when you come to church and when you get to know the saints and when you hear the stories and the testimony of those who have made their way to the house of God, you know that if their child can find their way home, my child is going to be all right. If their marriage can bounce back, I know my marriage is going to be straight. If that person can find healing, I know that I can be healed. Is there anybody glad that you made your way to the house of God to find the encouragement and the empowerment that you need? He says, I remember the Lord. I, I remember the temple. And then he says this. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. He says, I will begin to praise God. I will sacrifice. Then he says, what I have vowed, I will make good. Here he is. He's in the tight. He's in the jam. He's in the fix. He's in darkness. Then he says this, but I'm going to get my praise on. He says, since I'm in here by myself, I might as well shout a little bit. He says, since I'm in here, I might as well have a praise party. Then he says, once I get out of here, I'm going to go make a sacrifice. Then he says, I'm going to fulfill my vows. In other words, I'm going to do what God told me to do. After all this hell that I've been through, it sparked some sense in my mind to know that I can't run away from the destiny and the calling that God has for my life. But before God delivers me, he said, salvation can only come from the Lord. But before God saves me and brings salvation and deliver me, I'm going to get my praise on before he, before he even does it. I'm going to give God the praise that he deserves before he delivers me. I'm going to give God praise before he sets me free. And I know I can grow in my faith when I come to discover that I can 
give God praise before he even does it. I can give God praise on credit before he heals my family, before he makes a way, before he Is there anybody in the room that can give God praise while you're in the belly of the fish? And when Jonah gave God praise, the Bible lets us know that God spoke to the fish, that God commanded the fish to vomit out Jonah. Because don't you know that God inhabits the praises of his people? That when you learn how to give God praise before he does it, God will make a way. That God spoke to the fish. God spoke to the situation. God will speak to the circumstance. God will speak to the sickness. God will speak to the unclarity. God will speak to you. And when God speaks to your situation, the Bible says that Jonah was spit on dry land. He was swallowed in the sea, but now he's on dry land because when you learn how to praise God, God will put you where you need to be. Is there anybody in the room in the midst of your problems? Go ahead and praise them. In the midst of the pain, go ahead and lift them up. In the midst of your sickness, go ahead and shout. In the midst of what you're going through, give them the praise. Somebody in here ought to give God praise on credit before he makes a way, before he does it. Somebody shout right now in the name of Jesus.